You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. We'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah@gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. Back for a second time. I must have been kind the first time. So Dan is with us again. Dan, how are you today? Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> and... And I guess not only did Dan have to hang out with me, but he has to hang out in the studio. He has his own shows. We'll talk about those later. You're looking good. The smile is good. Um, you know, I have so many things in my head to talk about today. I sent you a few of them. But here's one. I was sitting with a friend um, yesterday. Okay. And he said to me something fascinating. So, for example, we're all familiar with Jewish history. Throughout history, the Romans, the Greeks... They didn't want people to study Torah. They didn't want people to do mitzvahs. They, they harassed. Now, all us good Americans, right, we sit there and say, could never happen again. They could never, the government like a, in America could never go ahead and uh, all of a sudden stop everybody from their religious life. Except that if you open up, I talked to my sister, if you have any relatives in New York, um, what's going on there is just eye-opening that they can close down the schools, they send police into schools, even if it's not in a red zone. I have a sister who lives in a red zone in Queens, in Kew Garden Hills, and she, her, the school she teaches in is in Kew Gardens. I don't know if you're familiar with Kew Gardens, Kew We Garden talked Hills. about this last time, Kew Gardens, Kew Garden Hills. Right, right. My brother lived there. My okay. brother went to Chavetz Chaim for okay. 10 years. So that's Kew Garden Hills. <clears throat> so in Kew Gardens, yeah. so they're in a red zone. They, they must be shut down. Wow. But in Kew Gardens, you're, you're allowed to have your school up and mm -hmm. running because it's in a yellow zone. But the police went into those schools. Really? And they wanted to give tickets, and congressmen got involved. And, and, but, but just the concept, if you think about yeah. it, that we always imagine, that's ah, ancient history. Who knows what they did in those days? But nowadays, they could never do that to anybody. Yeah. You ever, like, just it's think about it. I mean, it's interesting. I'm actually going to be there tomorrow. I'm going to go see my kids there in, in New Jersey. Their school was closed. Right. I was there a month ago. Their school was open. I took them in. It was incredible to see plexiglass cubes for the Rebbeim sure. and all everyone, this and that. And then they, I told the, the principal, I said, mark my words, in three weeks, you'll be closed. Aye. And what happened? They were closed. This Monday, they reopened. So now yeah. they're back in school. Cool. It's yeah. I mean, cool, but it's crazy, like the open, closed, it's crazy. this, that, who knows. It's and, crazy. And the funny thing is for kids, I talk to my kids about it a lot when I speak with them. And for them, it's like, oh, yeah, this is the way that it is. Like for a child in the world, they, they don't ha have a frame of reference. They adjust. Yeah. They're, they're very, yeah. All the things we're going through, they, they, they <clears> just <throat> adjust so well. Mm -hmm. it's, um, I actually heard on a similar thought, um, but all the LinkedIn stuff and the videos, says Rabbi Biederman. So I don't know if those ever come through your, your feed, but I get them. And it's fine because they, they make sure to have all the, to write out what he says. The subtitles. The subtitles, right. So he asked a, a fascinating thought. It's this week's story portion. So um, he says, let's think. Again, we like to do a lot of thinking around here. So um, 
I put you on a boat. Yeah. You're on the third floor. Yeah. The floor below you is full of wild animals. Yep. The bottom floor is garbage. All the garbage. I inform you that you're locked in for one year. So trying to figure out, like, we go crazy. Yeah. They put us in quarantine, but we can still go shopping because you're in quarantine, but you could go shopping. Yeah, I mean, right? Noah had Amazon, too, right? He had an iPhone. Uh, he, he must have. <laughs> I just don't know who broadcast or who delivered, right? NRM, come on. <laughs> right? well, so wouldn't you go crazy? you go yeah. out of your mind. Yeah. So he asks, why, assuming he was a normal person like, like the rest of us, right, why did he not go crazy? For just the fact that he knew, forget about the whole year he was there, but why didn't he go crazy being there for a year? And as we, I, I know just from my wife, she can't handle this corona anymore. As far as she's concerned, she's done with it. Yeah. She said, my neighbors came down with it, and, and this one's not in school, and that one's not in school, and, and I actually have my grandchildren are not in school now down in Florida. She says, like, you know, we did all this quarantine. You quarantined me in March and in April. And then you said yeah. soon. And then May. And then came June. Like, it's no end. You go out of your mind. Yep. And that's, again, with you know, going shopping because you're allowed to go shopping. And, and you're allowed to go to this store. And you're allowed to be in your backyard. And, and yeah, you're all these to, heterum. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right? So why didn't he go crazy? That's, that was the question he asked. A very... A very Good thinking question. He knew. He didn't. He have. A, he had. A, he he had a hope, right? He could send out and thought that perhaps there would be an answer. Yeah. Well, he knew that he was <coughs> going to get out. Exactly. How long did he know he was going to be locked up for? Let's even assume for a second. It doesn't really say, to my knowledge, that he knew he would be there for a year. Yeah. So he may not have known exactly how long he was going to be there. But once you're there, it's one week. Yeah. It's two weeks. It's a month. It's a, it's three months. It's six months. Look. We it, went out of our mind. It was a hope that today could be that day. I think today in America or in the world, we don't know. We don't know if it's today, tomorrow, or if it's ever. We don't know if this is the new normal. We don't know if you know, we're always going to be six feet apart. We don't know if we're going to be working from home forever. Who knows? It's like the signs in the hallway. You see those signs? Handshake. It was nice. Yeah, good. Yeah, nice. Say goodbye to the elevator. All that. But no kidding. I'm getting. I'm dealing with clients and developers who are talking to me on a daily basis about redesigning buildings. Redesigning multifamily for living and redesigning office spaces. Really? Yeah. This is not like, uh, oh, let's just shake it up a little bit and change things and go back. This is a, well, wait a second. Maybe we, maybe we want people on the phones a little bit more. Maybe we want people a little bit more socially distant. Maybe we, we want to have different types of living uh, you know, quarters and different densities. So I think that that's part of your wife and other people's agony is we don't know if, if there is a when. <laughs> we don't know. Anyways... Now I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to tell you his answer. It was, it's, it's, and again, I'm not sure if it's an original answer, but it, I think it's a brilliant answer. If you knew that outside the ark there's destruction yeah. and you're protected inside, you can handle it. Yeah. In other words, it, it, it changes, which, again, I don't think people really thought of most of them through corona. Um, I don't think they thought that way. But, but if our mind is that if I'm in here... And it's horrible, and it smells, and there's animals, and I'm running around 24 hours a day. Well, not me, but no, at least. Run around 24 hours a day, but I know that God put me in here to suffer, yeah. but I'm going to live. There's a very different, we, we don't think that way. We don't think, well, you put me in quarantine, and now I'm going to live. That is not our focus. It's not the way we think. But Noah is there thinking and understanding, God put me here. I'm suffering. I don't like it, but I'm alive, right. and I'm going to live. 
when the end will be, again, that's debatable. You could decide he didn't know when he was going to get out. He knew there was going to be an end. He didn't know when it was going to be that end. That, that we could talk about. But he knew that the purpose of his suffering was so that he could live. Just changes the whole mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now it's, now it's a haven. Now it's a protective place. It's a nurturing place. It's a, it's a womb. Why would you want to leave? <laughs> no one wants to leave the womb. That's, that, that's, another, that's a whole other schmooze. Anyway, that's a different day, different yeah. topic. So he actually takes it a step further, and that's what he wants people to recognize. Nobody likes suffering. Suffering happens. That's the world we live in. We don't, which, again, is part of this week's Torah portion. Um, the difference between before the flood and after the flood is, I would say, night and day, but that's just not going to be the right pun. But um, <laughs> it, it even says that there, that there were seasons. And it was before pre-flood how this worked scientifically. There's answers. It's a little harder to figure out. There were really no seasons. That was, the world is on a tilt. So because we're on a tilt, we go backwards and forwards. So almost wherever you live, unless you're like in San Diego, um, there, right, there's different seasons. Yeah. Right? We live in Michigan, right? Like, you know, we had a, a nice summer for a couple of days, and now we have cold <laughs> weather, and then it's going to get freezing and wet and snowy, and, and then the winter will last through um, May, right? But we have seasons. Yeah. It's a different kind of world. They lived like in a perfect environment, and they were healthy, and, and everything grew, and they, it was just beautiful to live. So no suffering. So it was just a different lifestyle. After the flood, and there's reasons for it, which maybe we'll get into if we have time. It was really a different world. But the point is, so we have suffering. Yeah. Right? And, and I don't have to go through what people's suffering is. Everybody has, you know, that's the famous thing they put you in a room for the motivational speakers out there. We talked about that before. Um, everybody complains about their situation. So they say, you know, if everybody could write down, you know, life's problems, we're going to fold it up, right? We're going to put it in a big barrel. Yeah. And we're going to pass it around, and you pull out, assuming everybody would be honest, right? You pull out somebody else's, you know, give it a good read, and see if you're okay, you know, if you want to switch places. And for the most part, right, we ain't, nobody's switching. Nobody wants to give up their problems. That's right. You have yours, <laughs> I have mine, you can keep yours, I'll keep mine, we all move along, right? But if you knew, or if you understood that the reason you had to suffer is so that you can survive, again, without getting into you know, why it has to be that way. But if, if we could understand it, then the suffering is, is totally different. Yeah. It takes on a different Sure. There's, there's actually a whole thing called uh, logotherapy, which is based on the idea that I believe Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor, right. kind of pioneered this, that when there's meaning behind experience, experience has a whole new meaning, right? <laughs> So, so suffering can be meaningful if it's defined in a different framework. Right. I'm not even looking to define it, but that's what you're trying to say anyways. I'm There's just, a meaning Right. It. In other words, even if I don't recognize it, but I, we look, just look at Noah and see what he went yeah. through, but he could survive because he knew it was for his protection. I, I think most people's problem now, and I don't get into politics at all, but if everybody <clears> believed... That whoever the doctors were, whoever was making the uh, the quarantines, if you had my best interests at heart, and you only care that things should be well, I, I think we would have done 100%. much better. One hundred percent, and that's that's important everywhere. That's important in business as well. If one, if a person believes that the other party has their best interests in, in at heart, then they're going to work together and work for each other a lot better and in a, in a more healthy manner. The moment that a person feels like, oh, I don't know, not sure if this person 
doctor, business person, attorney, whatever, has my best interest at heart, then it's like there's already a big red flag. So I agree with you completely. I think it transcends not just politics and, and, and health, but also business and real life. So how do you do it? I add value first. I always am looking value, value, value. How can I add value for people? How can I help people? Everything else follows. Dollars follow, success follows, closed deals follow. All that stuff doesn't mean anything. If I'm not adding value and I'm not acting authentically and honestly, everything else doesn't matter. So and as you, you're, you're doing it consciously or, you, or you're the kind of person that even subconsciously that's just who you are? Uh, I'd say both. I mean, it's primarily subconscious. Sometimes I have to tweak it a little bit. But for me, it's like that's how I enjoy living. So I want to enjoy living, right? And if so long as I can make a living doing that, then that's all that matters. Very good. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was all the big important stuff. Now we just do the fun stuff. Anyways, right. I gave myself, if you would see how long this list is, I'm not going to show you. But <laughs> it was just like, you know, it's almost like you throw mud at the wall. Yep. So I threw down a bunch of ideas this week's Torah portion. And um, I figure we'll have fun. We have about uh, 11 minutes left on this one. And then in our next segment, we'll do more. And I want to talk a little bit. Now, in the next segment, my father's yard says actually next week. So I usually like to bring in stories, and somehow these stories just connect everything else in the world because... That's how it goes. That's how it goes. The very first verse in this week's story portion is a fascinating verse. So I, I'll just say it in English. I can say it in Hebrew, but it's just easier for everybody else. We'll say it in English, but you're familiar with it. It says, these are the generations... Ayla told us, Noach. did the Hebrew Bible did it. These are the generations of, of Noach. Then it says, Noah was a tzaddik, he was a righteous man, he was perfect in his generations. And then, the next verse says, oh, by the way, even though he started telling you these are the generations of Noah, right? But if you want to know who his kids were, he has three kids. Shame, or Sam, by the way, it's important, I'll tell you why in a second. Shame, Cham, and Yafes, as a side point. Um, we all hear the phrase now, unfortunately, anti-Semite. Right? Now you know where it comes from. See? Yeah, shame. Right? Shame is. Because in Hebrew, how do you say anti Semite in Hebrew? Okay, good. Anti Shemit. Oh, is that what you said? Yeah, shame. Right. Because it's. And as we're saying, they don't like the people that came from Shem. Interesting. Right? Which is, for the most part, officially that should mean Middle East. Yeah, the whole thing. And I was, because Shem is really his Semitic family. Semitic people, yeah. Is, right, the Semitic people. That's, that's, that is the whole Middle East. It doesn't exactly work that way anymore, but that is where the phrase came from. Interesting. But completely off topic. That's not what I wanted. Let's go back. So now, um, so you, you start the verse, you say, these are the generations of Noah. And then you interrupt, you go off on a tangent, tell me Noah was a great guy. And then you go ahead and you get to his family. So what happened? Is it out of order? Is it not out of order? Are we not understanding what the word generations means? What do you, uh, you just say what you think or you remember? Yeah, so I mean, I think that the, 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 the not the Gemara, the Torah says that, that Noah was an Ish. Tzadik and Tamin right. Bedorosav, right? Isn't that what you said? Right, right. And I think Rashi's shot is, is that, that even in his generation, it wasn't such a great generation. Oh, well, that's the next conversation. That's the that's, next conversation. That's in the word generation. Okay. And that you're 100% correct. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking you just the beginning of the verse. These are the generations of Noah, and then we, we, we don't get to his kids till we're in the next verse. What happens? So your question is why that? Why is there that why is break it, in the flow? Why is there a break? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I'd have to, I'm not sure. Okay, so first of all, it's the same Rashi. Okay. Is one answer, but I happen to like a second answer. I'll tell you in a second. So Rashi says, 
when we talk about, and I was eight, we do it, these are the generations of a person. What does that mean? We care who his families are, his descendants are, we're all his descendants. That's it. The whole world is from Noah. Do I really care? What, what, when I talk about a person's generations, I'm really discussing what I got from that person. Yeah. So if I want to know what I get from a person. You give, go straight to his character traits. Very good. Uh-huh. There you have it. It's, and it happens to you not as often, obviously with Corona not as often, um, but because of, of what I do, I'm a fundraiser that we talked about. So you end up going to a lot of funerals, at least. Yeah. We used to go to a lot of funerals. Now they're all graves, so I don't go to any funerals, unless a relative. So um, I would sit there by the eulogy, and all I wanted was one thing. Tell me something nice about this person. Yeah. And if I tell you the amount of funerals I go to, and these are people very charitable, yeah. um, very involved in community, and it takes a long time for somebody to actually say something nice. And the Torah just went straight to the point. And that's the point here, right? As the generations of Noah is his character traits. He's a righteous person. Now, that we'll discuss next. What does it mean righteous? How righteous? What yeah. made him righteous? That's another conversation. But the Torah says, this guy, Noah, he was righteous. That's what he left. I mean, the worst one. And this was a person who, I don't know if he was a billionaire, but he was certainly worth, uh, I don't know, seven or eight hundred million dollars. And his daughter got up and she basically said straight out, I couldn't believe it. I was like floored. Like, uh, my father, if you would go into his office to get charity, he would not give you any charity. I said, this is what you're saying by the guy's funeral? Do you know his soul is right there? And, and whatever you're, you're upset about, like this is, is, is how you're honoring your father with that statement. I mean, you're almost pleading on his behalf, right? The Maspidim or the ones giving the eulogies are kind of pleading on, on his behalf to get him in, almost to get him yeah, into Shemayim. it's interesting. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a pleading, but we do say that since the person is there, right? Since you, the soul is there and is, is listening to the conversation, yeah. you have to be very careful yeah. what you say because if you say too much, it's also yeah. embarrassing. If you yeah. say too little... That's what you thought about me? Interesting. So, yeah, I've been... And that's to, the time when the, the mace, the dead body, needs the most covered because there's not, he's not buried. The person is not properly buried at that moment. Right, he's right there. He, she, doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's, it's wow. amazing. It's almost like people are afraid to say nice things. They want to say jokes. Everybody should be happy. Or, or you know, sometimes the kids get up. You yeah. know, grandchildren, and they'll say how they, the grandfather did this or that. That's good. I like that. Because tell me who the person was. Tell me something good about him. So, we'll talk about my father later. But it's a nosetzale, good. Yeah. So it happens to be the Ramban, Nachmanides, really says this. He's, he's not really impressed that we took a, a detour. We don't even know who, who Noach is. Uh, we mentioned his name last week, but just in passing. We don't know who he is. You want to tell me about his generations already? I don't, who is he? Okay, you tell me he's righteous, he's, a, he's, he's perfect, all good. But who are his generations? His kids. And that becomes the next conversation. In other words, who are we? Right? We are, to a certain extent, who we leave behind. We're our kids. Yeah. Right? What, what we put into our kids. Again, to be fair, how our children turn out a lot of times has nothing to do with us. In other words, I know we like to say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But a lot of times, we as parents have to put in what we can put into the kid. But at some point, that child is going to make a decision who and what they become. Yeah. And we can't, we can't like lose it because my child didn't 
become what I wanted. Like doesn't that, matter what you want. That my father always said. Yeah. He was a pharmacist. He said. Oh, mine too. Really? Yeah. He he hated it. Mine too. <laughs> he, it. he said, you can do whatever you want in life. Don't become a pharmacist. Uh, mine too. <laughs> he said the same thing. Yeah, it must be. It's all part of... Um, I think that that's coming from a Jewish person who didn't become a doctor. Oh, is that what? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think he cared to be a doctor. That's funny, but, uh, but that's the grandmother. Like, oh, exactly. Like- My son, the pharmacist, Nebuch. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even drink my water. <laughs> Very good. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna try to get to the next part of the verse. So, but you mentioned this very good. Anyways, so all all the things we talk about, but again, that's you know that's children, that's kids. That who we are a lot of times is our generations, who yeah. we leave behind, and what they leave behind, and and <clears throat> it's not who they become and what they became, but but did we raise them in a way that we we raise healthy children, which is really the goal. Were we able to raise? Healthy children. That that's that's really our goal. But okay, we're gonna move past that. So right, so Noah is a, is righteous in his generation. Mm-hmm. So this is a very fascinating thought. We'll probably end our show on this one. Um, what wh- what do you mean in his generation? It's all relative, right? Right. If if I'm in bad company and I'm good, I look better. If I'm in good company and I'm bad, I look worse. Right. So and I think we're judged based on how we do given our current situation and circumstances. It's hard. Well, well, that's for sure that our environment is going to decide how we get judged. But I asked my class the following question. And they have a substitute this week, so it's, it's really for a couple weeks. Teacher just had a kid. So it's going to be rough. Yeah. So I asked them if everybody's misbehaving. If, like, that was generation. I was a rotten generation. They're all thieves. They're, they're all rotten. Nothing to talk about. So if everybody in class is playing around, is it easy to be good? No. Or is it hard to be good? No. So they were pretty right. honest about it, right? So now, if you look at it that way, that obviously it's hard to behave when everybody's dancing, everybody's playing around, right? At best, you'll complain you can't study, you can't learn, it's too hard, fine. So it's hard to behave when everybody's good. So yeah. that means that we're saying that Noah was good in his generation, right? That just tells you how great his character was. And I was, he was the kind of person that did not care what everybody else did. Right. Which... Which is always something. I, I know my wife talks. Even they gave time. him a hard time for building the ark, didn't they? And he kept oh, going. Uh, yeah, but that was that was, that I mean, was even to Right, he didn't care. Yeah. Right. In other words, he's going to do what he feels right. is right. Right. He will march to his own drumbeat, as we like to say. And those people, you know, life becomes easier for them. Yes. Because they're not always looking over the shoulder. What's my neighbor saying? Nope. What's my friend saying? What's my kid saying? It's like bringing, you know, it's. A, it's wherever you walk down the street. If I have to worry what everybody says, I can't be me. Right. I, you know, if I worry what you say, now I'm you. That's right. right. Which is fine. You're a nice guy, but I want to be me. Yeah. You want to be you. I want to be me. That's something. In psychology, we, those are just projections anyway. That's exactly what we believe in psychology is that if, we, if we're if we focused on what other people think and feel about us or the way that we perceive them to be, we're just living in a, in a state of projections, of other people's projections. So we lose our sense of self is exactly what you said, Rabbi. See that? It's amazing. I'm not even a psychologist. I'm actually reading this great book um, about his name was, uh, was Risham Hoffman. He was from Israel. He's not alive anymore. So I bought the book first in Hebrew. The Hebrew was painful to read. Then I said it came out in English. I bought that right away. Yeah. It's only one volume. It's only one volume so far. But um, he actually was not a trained psychologist. And that was he was in the Israeli army. He was in, he was in yeshiva. He was in Hebron. Um, he got into the Israeli army. When he got out, he had nothing to do. 
So the prison system said that, well, we need more psychologists. He says, great, but I'm not a psychologist. Yeah, but we're desperate. But this is Israel. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So actually, he became so good, and he used all kinds of Jewish thought for psychology, and his teachers were must have you know, knocked into his head all kinds of good stuff, which slowly but surely I talk about as time goes on. Um, the, 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 the judges used to say, and his job was to rehabilitate. Yeah. So if he would go in front of the judge and say, this guy deserves to get out, they would say, oh, Hoffman says we'll let him go. Already the music is playing. We didn't talk about all your shows. We didn't talk about my father. We got lots of stuff to talk about. We got another segment coming up. But as always, time flies when you're having fun. So, I hope you've enjoyed it short and sweet. I know I have my notes here somewhere. And here we go. And again, we've got to thank our sponsors, listeners. We've got to thank David and, uh, and Kelsey in the back. So, um, hold through. Well, don't hold through. We're going to have another segment. We're going to be back in a few minutes. And until we're back, you've been listening to Rabbi Sweet Jacobs on Anna Streamcast. i got my friend Dan here today. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. Every room inside is filled with things from far. 